the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you in or are you out? Boy, Jesus was straightforward with this. I'm telling you, he's straightforward then and he's straightforward now. That's the same question Jesus is asking everybody right now, especially in this day and age, especially when the gospel is being mocked, when the word of God is being uh, abused, being, uh, you know, shamelessly attacked. Jesus is giving us the same call. Are you in or are you, are you out? What Jesus was asking them is, just, is, the, is this. To be my disciple is not about following me. To be my disciple is to be like me. I mean, that's the call of the gospel if you think about it hard enough. Being a disciple is not about following Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. That's why Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. What do you think he's saying? He's saying, unless you're like me. Unless you magnify who I am in your life. Unless you're all in. Unless I'm all in all, you cannot be my disciples. And in verse 66 to 69, the definitive statement of discipleship is this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And he asked his disciples, you do not want to leave, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered for everybody. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? I love Peter. You know, with all his faults, with all of his shortcomings, he knew the right answer when Jesus asked, are you in or are you out? Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's the definitive statement of what it means to be a disciple. Okay? So what does a true disciple look like? There are four unmistakable marks. This is how we know that we're all in. Okay? So today, if you're not sure whether you're all in or you're not, there are four marks. Okay? Four marks that will unmistakably identify you as a true follower of Jesus. Mark number one, a disciple is all in when a disciple is consumed by the commands of Christ. That's the first mark. It's a telltale sign. When we are consumed by the commands of Christ. To eat my flesh, Jesus said, and to drink my blood, Jesus said, means this. To eat my flesh is to consume my words. This has to do with what Jesus said, what he commanded, what he taught. Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. 
Jesus says, if you eat my flesh, you will never be hungry again. Why? Because the words of Christ are the words of life. So the first thing that we examine in ourselves that proves that we are true disciples is this great hunger for the words of Christ. Discipleship or true believing begins by knowing the words of Jesus, His commandments. How can we believe someone whom we've never really met or heard? You know, in, in, in that story, many in the crowds who followed Jesus never really knew Him. They followed Him, but they never really knew Him until, they, until He plainly said to them, Eat my flesh. Obey my commandments. No other words but mine. You're not to look at anything else. You're not to obey any other system. You're not to obey any other commands but my commands alone. And they had to make a decision. As we had to make a decision today. Is it Jesus' commandments? Is it Jesus' words alone? Or His words and something else? Are you all in? Or are you out? Okay? This was illustrated by Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 18. The very famous story of the rich young ruler. Okay? I'm not going to, again, read it for time's sake. But basically this rich young man who was... Not only young, but he's a, he's a ruler. He's obviously a person of great uh, resources. Came up to Jesus and asked Jesus, Lord, how do I get eternal life? Uh, Jesus said to him, obey all the commandments. And he said to Jesus, well, I've done all of that since I was a child. I've been obeying them all. Oh, really? Jesus says. Okay, then. Jesus says, obey my commandment. Okay, Jesus, what's your commandment? He said to, Jesus said to him, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. That's the opt-in moment. That's when he needed to make a decision to be all in or all out. And guess what his decision was? Didn't take long. The Bible says that when he heard the command of Jesus, he went away sad because he just had way too much money. Jesus asked him, are you in or are you out? I'm out. You mean Jesus wants me to sell everything that I have and follow him? What would I live on? What about my children? What about my wife? And Jesus would say, if you love these things more than me, you're not worthy of me. Those are hard sayings, amen? I mean, those are very difficult things uh, to process for, for people. And yet Jesus was, was, was looking for allegiance here. He's, he's looking for true disciples. Those who will say, I will put you above everything, okay? Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandment. What it means is that we cannot love other things than we love, than loving Him. Our possessions, our positions, including our families, cannot be more important than God. I mean, that's how clear Jesus thought on these things. Jesus 
is not talking about a matter of priority. See, that's, that's our problem. And that's the problem of so many people who follow Jesus. They're looking at discipleship as a matter of priority. Okay? But Jesus never spoke about being a disciple in terms of, a disciple in terms of priority. Being a follower of Jesus is not a, about prioritizing Jesus. It's not priority, it's centrality. I want you to think about that for a moment. Uh, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, I don't want you to think in terms of me being number one. Okay? And that's how, that's how we are. When you ask an average Christian, hey, what's number one in your life? And we always say, Jesus is number one. But if you look at our lives, he's actually number four. That's true for me. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Many years of my life, I've always thought in my mind that Jesus was number one. Because I didn't understand what it means to be a disciple. I think in terms of priority, while Jesus is saying, don't think in terms of priority, you'll never make it. Think in terms of centrality. Jesus has to be at the center of life, not some prioritized number. So be careful when you say Jesus is number one. Because you're going to have to live up to that statement, okay? But if we put Jesus at the center, he becomes the hub and in a wheel. And the rest are spokes that come out. Everything comes out from him. That's what it means to be a disciple. Just, just use that, that, that image of a, of a wheel. There's a hub and all of these spokes that come out. Every part of your life comes out. From the center. And that's what it means to be a disciple. Not making God a priority, but putting God at the center of everything. A disciple is someone who knows and obeys the commands of Jesus. And he or she lives by them. Matthew 28, 20, the Great Commission says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This isn't the Great Commission. We recite this all the time. We understand this commandment. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice, he says, teaching everybody to obey everything I have commanded. That's important to Jesus. Because a disciple is someone who's consumed by the commandments of the Lord. As we study the Word, the Holy Spirit reveals to us more and more about Jesus. That's why we can't divorce discipleship with reading and studying the words of Jesus. Now, let me ask you. Think of a person that influenced you the most in your life. We all have heroes, okay? We all admire certain people. We all, uh, you know, uh, keep records of... of, of of the songs that the people we admire. Um, we all had mentors. And, and, and many of these people we haven't actually physically met. And yet, they live in and through us through the influence that they had in our lives. You know, I, I, I admire uh, great preachers, preachers like uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, for instance. I've never met him. He died 
back in the turn of the last two centuries. He, he lived in the 1800s. Never met him, but I've read his work. I've, I've, I've read his sermons. And you know, he, he, they kind of shape your life. That's what it's supposed to do to us when it comes to the words of Jesus. It's supposed to shape us. We can know and love Jesus whom we have never seen because the Holy Spirit gives us the revelation of His Word. That's why the Holy Spirit is around. You know, we never see, I've never seen Jesus in the flesh. I will one day. But I know He's real. I know He's real because the Spirit of God works that reality in my life and yours. You need to be attentive to that. We need to be aware of that. So the first sign is this. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Discipleship is about being consumed by the commands of Jesus. Secondly, a disciple is committed to community. Now, I harp on this all the time. You know you're a true follower of Jesus when you make that commitment be part of a community of believers. Notice that many deserted Jesus because he addressed everybody, not as individuals. He addressed everyone as a community. So there was a massive exodus of, of people who followed him and then left because he did not talk about discipleship in terms of an individual enterprise. He seldom did that. In fact, there's not a whole lot of instances in the Bible where, when, when Jesus spoke one-on-one -on -one with his disciples. I'm sure he did that, but not for the purpose of explaining to them what it means to truly be a disciple. Jesus addressed his followers, his disciples, as a unit, as a community. You could never separate true discipleship from being committed to a community. Jesus very seldom had to do a one-on-one -on -one thing. He always addressed his disciples as a group, all right? Now, think about that for a moment. Well, you know what? I'm sure Jesus had to do a one-on-one -on -one talk. Well, he did talk to Judas one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I wouldn't want to be that kind of disciple. No. Uh, listen, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the, uh, when, when the, 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 the guards tried to arrest Jesus, uh, Peter pulled out a sword and cut off uh, one of the people's ears. And Jesus says, put it back. Take away your sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Don't you know that all I have to do is ask my father and he's going to send legions of angels to protect me and rescue me? I don't need you, Jesus says. Because I have the power to do what I have to do. And he says, I can send legions. Listen, he did not need 12 guys to protect him. And yet he called them. What does that say? It says that Jesus says, if you're my follower, you have to be com committed to a community. That's why we have a church. That's why gathering together as disciples is sacred. That's why we're risking it in the age of COVID. That's why when, the first, when, when this thing come out, we're going to do whatever we have to do. But it's sacred to the Christian to be part of a community. 
We're not doing this to defy the law of the land. We don't want anybody to get sick. But there are things that are sacred to the Christian faith that we must make a stand on. And one of them is being part of a community. God has always done it. You read the Old Testament, He called an entire nation to be His people. He called a church. In fact, the word church means called out ones. The ecclesia. Because community is sacred. We are committed to that community. I hate to disappoint many people, but when this pandemic is over, you have to come back to church. Why? Because you want to fill up the temples? No, because it's sacred to the Christian. You are a follower of Jesus when you're committed to the community. Twelve people transform the world. Jesus could have done it by himself, and there's no doubt he could have done it by himself. But why did he call twelve, and then 120, and then 500, and then the multitude, and then countless? Discipleship is not simply an individual exercise. When a person comes and believes in Jesus and then lives by himself or herself, the connectedness to the body of Christ disappears and discipleship goes away. It's a big deal in the Christian life. It shows that you are in because you're connected to the body. If you're disconnected to the body, it means you're out. And it's, it's not, a, it's not an in, in, intended to, to, uh, to make people feel like, you know, they're obligated to do. But you, you have to think about this. Y you know, we need to think about this in terms of what God is saying to us. Did you know that the underground church is thriving right now? Report after report says that the underground church, the persecuted church, is growing by leaps and bounds. And they're under persecution. They couldn't stop them from assembling together. Even to this day, under persecution, they assembled together. Why? Because it's sacred to the followers of Jesus. Jesus knows you're in because you're connected to community. Why is this so important? Because it's a reflection on the Trinity. We have one God in three persons. Complete unity in fellowship, complete unity in power, complete unity in mission. The church is a reflection of that. God is one, but reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Community makes sense. And that's the, the, the calling of a Christian is a call to community. That's why Jesus, again, selected 12 people. And within the 12, he took three, Peter, James, and John, to be around him. Did he really need anybody? Of course not. But because it's sacred, but because it's a reflection of his being, that we're trying to emulate the Trinity, it becomes pivotal to the Christian. John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
What does that say? It says community all over the place. You cannot experience the love of God outside community. You just can't. When you say, I believe that God loves me, how do you know that God loves you? You, lo- you, you experience that love in community. Not in some emotional experience. I'm not against emotional experience. I, we do feel our love for God and we do feel the love of God in us. But that love is expressed through community. If no one's going to tell you, I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you, sister. No one's going to tell you that you matter because you are a brother or a sister in the Lord. How are you going to know the love of God? John 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Each other. What does that say? Community. That's what it says. John 15, 17. This is my command. Love each other. So it's sacred. Because we experience the love of God community. That's how real worship takes place. Through community. If you have time, read Acts chapter 8. It shows that the power of God is manifested when the community of believers worship together. By the way, I don't want you to miss this one. You, your connectedness to the community of faith or the church is rooted in your love for Christ, okay? If you love Jesus, you have to love His church, okay? If you love Jesus, you have to love His church because Jesus is the head, we are the body. This is all over the Bible, all over the New Testament. We can't escape this. You know, people tell me all the time, well, you know, Pastor, I'm not, I may not go to church. I may not be a member of the church because I hate organized church. Well, well, guess what? We are a disorganized church. You're welcome. Come here. No excuses. No, we're very disorganized. You know? But, but, but what does it matter? Why, why are we coming up with so many things just to be on our own? Because we're an individualistic type of not only society, but we love our individuality. We love it. But in Christianity, you got to get connected to a community because that's rooted in your love for Jesus. I mean, I can go on and on in the Bible about what, what, what the Bible teaches about that. But it's a connectedness to the community. Okay, It's rooted in love for Christ, uh, our obedience to His command. It has nothing to do with your obligation to an organization. I want to make that clear. I hope you come here because you love Jesus. And if you, love Jesus you might hate me, but you're going to have to love me. It's not a choice. You know, where else can we find the love of God but in community. Your willingness and my willingness to belong to the body of Christ is rooted in the love of Christ that has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We've heard that before, but I want to I wanna just hone in on that one. I just want to make sure that we're, we're gathering here today not because we want to defy some government law. No. There are several things that the Bible calls sacred, okay? Let me just take the time to say what those are. Number one, human life is sacred. You agree? Number two, human sexuality is sacred. All right? It is sacred. Matthew 19, in the beginning, God created them male and female. Human sexuality is sacred. 
our bodies are sacred. The Bible says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is sacred. That's why Jesus, you cannot escape the fact that Jesus became fully human because our physical body is a physical sacred temple. Okay? And of course, community. Community is sacred. And that's why we do this. That's why we come together. So when someone lets you down in the church, don't pass judgment on the church. You still love Jesus in spite of what a person or that pastor or that elder has done. Remain faithful because you are all in. Don't allow anyone within the body of Christ take away your love for Christ. We got to love each other because it's not a matter of choice. It's a matter of a sacred commitment. 